I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Reigns from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. I'm Corey Willis from PPI. I'm Drew with DNJ Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. Diesel Power Podcast. You're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. The Diesel Power Podcast. The one and only Diesel Power Podcast. Well, today we've got the man, the myth, the legend himself. Ryan Milliken, glad to have you back on the podcast, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. <laughs> I've been seeing you all over social media recently. It's like you're crisscrossing the country. Yeah, I tend to uh, tend to get around a lot. <laughs> I um, <laughs> my uh, my wife planned, tried to plan a vacation every year in January, and of course, January is crunch time for race car stuff. So we um, we landed off the airplane on our vacation. Um, I wasn't even home. I think it was like 16 hours. And I hopped the plane for industrial right away, and uh, then um, went straight from industrial over to fleece, and just barely got home yesterday. Back to the grind. <laughs> yep. Now here we are again, banging buttons over here. Now with uh, the UCC coming up, that's one of the the big dominating conversations. I think leading up to it is just all the power and innovation and new power levels that are. I'm sure some trucks are going to hit there. Two three years ago, everyone would have called you a liar if if. Uh, you know, if you told them what even what we made last year, let alone what we plan on doing this year. I know you're involved in a, in a lot of the different trucks and and things like that. Is it? I, I gotta imagine it's probably one of the most challenging things to do is to, like you just said, push it even farther than it was last year. Yeah, and that's um, that's uh, you know, I mean, how how to top what we did last year? That that is the challenge. But top fuel cars are making ten thousand horsepower, and they weren't making ten thousand horsepower ten years ago. So, and ten years ago, who would have thought that today they're making ten thousand? So you just got to press forward, whatever you're doing. It's going to be really cool to, to watch that. I know a lot of the guys are, it's crunch time, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're cranking away on it. It's crunch time for everybody, man. We've got all the UCC guys going nuts, throwing their stuff together, buying parts like crazy, breaking parts like crazy. I've got my drag race stuff, you know, going nuts. I'm trying to get to a race in uh, 15 days now for a car that I haven't even started yet. It should be a good time. Yeah, we had a, a guy, he's probably one of our biggest fans, fans his name is, is chad and uh he hit us up not long ago and he's like man you gotta get ryan milliken on there and we gotta talk about his car and i saw you had how to piss a chevy guy off in a bunch of pictures but we wanted to just get it straight from you like what's up with the car what are you doing with it what are your plans this year so my plans with the car um you know i had i had my other truck mini wheat um and that was it's been a great truck for me that was the if I was going to build a perfect pro street truck, this is how I'd do it, and that's exactly what it was to me. But I wanted to expand my horizons a bit. So that truck limited me in what I could race. Not not what I could race, but what I could race and be competitive in because of the weight. You know, pro street has a 4,500-pound minimum weight rating, which to the rest of the drag racing world is absurd. Um, so basically my plan with the car, for lack of better terms, is I just wanted to go faster. And... Um, you know, going faster and buying that car opens me up to a, a whole a whole slew of new classes that I can race in. I'm no longer just limited to being able to be competitive in diesel classes. I can go run small tire grudge. I can go run no prep stuff. Uh, I can run uh, X275, Leaf Spring Radio class. It really just opens the door to, you know, it, throughout the spring, summer, and fall, I can go race that car any weekend anywhere in the country at a big event and have a blast. There is an interesting story behind the car. If you could share that, you know, with our listeners, why you picked that car, 
what are the plans for it with the motor and, and the transmission and, and how you're putting that together? So why I picked the car, um, I was never actually really a Nova fan until my dad was. Um, you know, when I was in, in the later years of growing up, you know, he had the Camaro and he was putting together a Chevy 2 for himself. And so the Camaro was for my stepmom and he finished that and uh, he was going to put the Chevy 2 together and that was supposed to be his big nasty play toy. And, um, you know, lots of long nights standing in the garage talking to him about it. I kind of kind of got a little special place in my heart for it. Well, um, you know, I grew up racing with him. I grew up racing because of him and all that stuff. So when he passed away in 2012, it was kind of a, a big a big chunk of me was gone. Um, so I tried to get the Chevy 2 that he was putting together. He actually had three or four of them that were in uh, absolute disrepair, not a chance in hell that I was going to be capable of putting everything he had together as one car because that was really kind of his art was to, you know, chop and hack and throw away the rusty stuff and put something together that he never thought would be repairable is what is what he did. Um, so I kind of wrote that one off and decided I'd just find my own one day. Um, so I did. I found my own. Uh, it was actually, I, I got it from Ashley Black uh, back in the back corner of a barn. We picked the car up, brought it home, did a whole bunch of work on it, sent it to the body shop. I had I had these plans to you know almost exactly what I wanted to do to this car, and it it all revolved not all of it but a, a major driving factor in what I was going to do with this car was this other green Nova, um, you know so I would reference pictures to it I would see you know okay so let's see what this guy did okay that's how he did it I'm going to do that too, so I would say I had my other car let's say 10% into the build process I had it stripped. I had it primered, I had it, uh, you know, all seam sealed, I had a nice front end bolted on it, and I went to the PRI trade show, I wasn't there for five minutes, I walked around the corner and saw the green car with a for sale <laughs> sign on it, and uh, pretty much as soon as I laid eyes on it, I knew I was hosed, and I had to take that home, <laughs> so um, the deal worked out, he, the guy would only sell the car with the motor, uh, we struck a deal on it, he promised me he'd help me sell the motor, and actually, one of the guys we talked to standing there at the booth where the car was at ended up with the motor, you know, all said and done. The Nova that I was putting together kind of got thrown in on the deal as a trade. And uh, a week and a half, maybe two weeks later after PRI, I loaded up and took my Nova to Oklahoma City and brought home my new Nova as a roller. And uh, let's see, that was December 20, I want to say it was December 21st or 22nd. Um, and uh, it is February 1st now, so it's been about five or six weeks, and if all goes planned, we're going to start the car this weekend with the Cummins in it. Uh, <laughs> nice. I've, uh, I've completely rewired the car top to bottom. Um, uh, I'm going to be able to reuse a lot of the plumbing stuff that was already there, so I'm just trying to adapt, you know, an inline-six motor where a big-block pro-charged motor was, and... Uh, Trying to make everything jive. Were you, you sticking with a, a five nine or six seven or kind of a? The motor that's in my it's in the car right now is a temporary motor. It's a uh, it's a Hamilton solid block that Fleece put together for me. Its displacement is actually six point eight liters, so it's a solid dry block. Uh, currently has a wet iron head on it. I've got a really badass twenty four valve Wagler head. Uh, I just need to make the intake fit in the car. And I believe the if all goes well and I can make this damn intake fit, I think the first start on the car is probably going to be with the Waggler head. 
and that's also the waggler head is also dry. So once I get rid of the iron head, we'll have no water in the motor whatsoever. We're also utilizing a dry sump setup because a wet sump type setup was not going to fit in the car. So a bunch of new stuff kind of out in left field on, on stuff that I'm not real familiar with, but, you know, um, between the, the vast network of, of shops and people that I deal with and people in the racing and performance industry, it's been um, it's been really easy to figure out a lot of the stuff to this point so far. It's really cool is, is you mentioned earlier cutting weight and being able to use this car with a Cummins engine, which is what, that's what you do. That's what Hardway Performance does and introduce it to a whole new class of people, people who love drag racing that might not have seen it or wouldn't have checked out, you know, diesel trucks racing. That's kind of the purpose is, I mean, could I have gone faster initially by just leaving the big block in it and going racing? Sure. But that's not what I do. So, um, you know, I want to stick with what I do and just go faster you know, so I basically just needed a better chassis to do so. So off the bat, we haven't we haven't weighed the car in total yet because it's not together yet to be able to weigh it. But we should be well under a thousand pounds lighter than we were in Pro Street. Um, and as of our trip on the chassis dyno this past week, um, power to the tires, we should be two to four hundred horsepower up of what I was in the black truck. So. Two to four hundred horsepower up, a thousand pounds down, better weight bias, better aerodynamics. It's all adding up to something that should go really fast. <laughs> That's what you like to do, right? <laughs> That's exactly what we like to do. That's a, that is why we. Uh, that is why I do what I do, so I can afford to go fast. <laughs> I know you're the uh, the mad scientist there, and and you guys have a lot of cool products and things you guys are you know have done in the past, but this year. Is it, Everything's a little bit different. You know, there's so much innovation that's happened. What are some things that you're looking at, at bringing out and offering to, to the Cummins fans out there, you know, for parts or tuning and, and things like that? Stuff we're working on for Cummins. Um, the inline six-cylinder, I'm really kind of in a waiting game to see what the hell 2018 brings on the new trucks because I would say that we have the 17 and older platforms pretty well handled. Now, that being said, there is a new tuning platform coming out called uh, uh, EasyLink. So it's a different method of delivering the same product, if that makes sense. So there's no crazy new features. There's no crazy, well, there's new features, but the, your truck's going to run the exact same. It's a different way of accomplishing the same thing. Now, EasyLink should be really cool. It's going to be a lot, a lot more easy uh, or user-friendly, considering there, there's no computers involved whatsoever on the end consumer's end of it. Um, it's just a, a plug into the truck, link it to your phone, Link your truck to me or whoever your tuner is, and uh, it's really pretty self-explanatory from there. So that's going to be a cool deal. Um, working on some stuff with HP tuners for the older trucks, using uh, Edge products to be able to do something real similar to Easy Length with cloud-based tuning and all that stuff. So I'm really excited to, you know, to go those to go those ways and see the advancements that are that we have available to us in the tuning hardware section. Also, the 5-liter Titan, kind of a, an untouched beast so far. We have our tuning completely done on it. We have our bench flashing solutions available for sale. They haven't been a hot seller, mostly because people aren't really apt to take the ECM out of their brand-new truck and ship it to some guy across the country they don't know. So we are 
scratching for a remote tuning solution for those, as are a lot of other tuning companies, I believe. So I'm hoping something comes along down the pipeline for that because there's a lot of people out there just dying for, for something for the Titans. But other than that, man, I would say we're, we're, we're really kind of holding steady and waiting to see what 2018 brings because it is time, it is time for something new from Cummins. We are five years on the current platform with no major changes. So I'm, uh, I'm just waiting for a major, something major to come down the pipeline that'll keep me busy for the next two years or so. <laughs> I was actually chatting with that, or chatting about that with somebody is like Ford and GM have, have changed a lot, you know, since 11 or 12. Oh yeah, the new, the new six seven fours are awesome. The L five P from Duramax is just knocking it out of the park, and we're sitting over here with the same old crap for five years. Like, hey, <laughs> don't forget about us. We want new stuff too. Well, it's like something has to change, though. You know, from with the power and and, and torque and everything, it's just something's got to change. If you look at the if you look at the generation changes, that you had the eighty nine to ninety three was Gen one, of course, and then you had the Gen two uh, two point one, I guess, is the twelve valves the 94 to 98, so it's the four-year span and a four-year span. And then you've got 98 to 02, um, another four-year span. And then, you know, you've got the two different generations of the early common rails. You've got the 0305s and then the 0607s. So that would be a three-year span, a two-year span, then a three-year span on the, the third-gen 67s. So the, we have the fourth-gen body style now that is 10 through 12. So five years on that, and then 13, 15, 16, 17. So we're seven years on one body style. Yeah, it's just it's time for something different. I'm hoping 2018 is it because I'm, I'm excited, ready for something different. I, did, I got a question from a guy, and I thought, you know, it would be the perfect person to ask me, Ryan Milliken, is the guy with the ASIN transmission. You know, you can, you can give them power with the motor, and they're starting to get some transmission upgrades. But we've heard that there's no real transmission tuning that can be done on them. Is that something that you've looked into, or or what's holding back the tuning on the transmission side? Um, really, just the ability to talk to it. Um, so tuning, tuning is a, it's not a complicated. If in order for me to tune something, I have to number one have the means to communicate with it. So I don't have that. Number two, I have to know what I'm communicating with because. The ECM in binaries is a bunch of zeros and ones, or if you're looking at it in hexadecimal, it's a bunch of hex code, which if you don't have a, uh, we call them a config file, or a, there's a bunch of different names for it, but for lack of better terms, it's a treasure map. If you don't have the treasure map to the ECM, so if you can communicate it with it, you have to know what's in there, but, you know, via config file. And getting your hands on either of those two things, the means of communication or the treasure map, is... Um, yeah, so no one's got that stuff. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know what the future holds on that. I honestly haven't put much thought process into it. Now that being said, the ASIN transmission is actually a it's a pretty nice transmission. I was not a fan of the early ones that were in the third gens, but these the transmissions that they're putting behind the thirteen plus trucks are actually really nice. They uh I, I mean I I'd take an ASIN transmission over a sixty eight RFE any day of the week. Um and that being said, at least the ASIN has roots in being a heavy-duty transmission, whereas the 68 RFE has roots as basically a minivan transmission that they just beefed up and put bigger parts in and decided to stick it behind a Cummins for some god-awful reason. That's kind of where the thought was you know, kind of swirling around is, you know, 2018, if they do something different with the motor or the turbocharger setup, I'm not sure the 68 RFE is going to be the transmission that, 
they want to put behind it and warranty it. Yeah. You know, just not just us as the aftermarket has been having problems, but the, the you know the transmissions right off the showroom floor and the bone stock trucks are failing and the 68 RFEs. So companies like uh, ATS, BD, Suncoast, Revmax, all those guys, they can make the baddest stuff they can make, but it's still a 68 RFE. I mean, God bless those guys and their warranty programs and and having to deal with the you know deal with those things. I I hope that Dodge stops using that transmission. I think you and a lot of other people do too. <laughs> that with the uh, you know, the ASIN transmission, if you use it for its intended purpose, let's look at it. If you, if I go buy a new Ram when they come out, I'm probably going to buy a 3500, either a single wheel or a dually, either way, haven't decided. Four-wheel drive, mega cab, short bed, you know, nice optioned out truck. So the purpose of having that truck, of course I'm going to give it a little more squeeze, a little more power, but the purpose of having it would most likely be to tow the race trailer around. You know, and that and a daily driver. I wouldn't go buy a brand new truck and consider it a race car. You know, that's what old cars are for. Not not older cars, but you just don't buy something brand new with nav and leather and all that stuff and just try to turn it into a race car. So if you use the the ASIN transmission for its intended purpose, it really does work flawless. You know, we have one in our motorhome. Our motorhome's built on a Ram 5500 chassis. So it's got the, it's a cab chassis with an ASIN. I've got a stock delete file in it with just a, just the slightest amount of pep to its step, and that thing just never misses a beat. I hold it to the floor everywhere I go. I'm 34,000 pounds gross, loaded down, going to the race, and it has not missed, you know, missed a lick. Now, if I was to throw six, eight, nine hundred horse to that thing and hold it to the floor, I'm pretty sure I could break it. <laughs> but, but that's not the intended purpose of it. Why would you do that, you know? Um, and this is something else I want to touch on. There's so many people out there in fourth gen trucks, specifically the 13 plus trucks that are transmission swapping and want to go to a 4R or a torque flight or Lord knows whatever else because the 68 RFE has, you know, caused them heartburn. My suggestion to, bleh, suggestion to all these people wanting to swap is go buy a different truck, and here's why. You talk to LeVon and talk to some of these guys who are, who are bending over backwards trying to make it work. The 68 RFE, in my opinion, is far too integrated into the truck. So if you take a a 2015 Laramie with backup camera and all that stuff, and you take the torque for the, the 68 RFE out in lieu of a torque flight, most common thing we do, number one, is put a manual transmission file in it. That way the ECM stops looking for its good buddy old pal, the 68 RFE. Now once that happens, there's a whole bunch of other modules on board, the, the ABS module, the airbag module, the drivetrain control module, just everything on board that is going to be pissed no matter what you do because the buddy old pal 68 RFE is gone. So this also causes problems like uh, those people with push-button starts. It's not going to work anymore. I've read online some guys have, have spent hours, days, weeks getting stuff like the push-button stuff to work, and they can, they can get it to start, but then they can't get it to shut off with a button and, you know, vice versa. So my suggestion to anybody with a new truck wanting to go fast in a fourth-gen truck, specifically 13-plus because they're, the, they're the most pain in the ass, Go trade the truck in on one that came from the factory with a G56. And if we had the capability of programming these new trucks, you know, with the dealer tool and being able to select with the dealer tool what transmission came in it per the VIN, then we'd be we'd be squared away. But the problem lies with, okay, your VIN number at Chrysler, you know, big computer in the sky is associated with a 68 RFE. So every time I do a vehicle reconfig using your VIN number, the truck still thinks it's a 68, and I have tried 
contacting Chrysler guys, contacting dealerships. If anybody would change these settings for me, you know, with no <clears throat> with no luck. So I'm sorry that's uh, off on a, off on a tangent, off on on left field, but. I probably had this conversation with customers three times a week. It's awesome you brought it up because I get it a lot. It, it, you know, street diesel powers, people want to do that. And it's it's not like the, the older 6.7s where you could do it. Well, older 6.7s, for lack of better terms, were, were dumber. They they didn't care. You know, you all you pretty much had to do is uh, throw a manual file in it, turn off two codes that stick around, and have at it, man. It truck Everything's the same. But they've made these new trucks so damn complicated and integrated that you remove one piece of the pie and the whole rest of the truck is pissed and there's nothing you can do about it till you put that piece of the pie back. If uh, anybody out there looking to buy a new truck, if 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 you're going to buy a, you know, the standard crew cab four-wheel drive and your plan is to make six, eight, nine hundred horsepower and go fast and all this other stuff, just do yourself a favor and buy a truck with a G56. And the reason I say that is the G56, short of a, a real simple switch for reverse, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. The only thing that's on that damn thing. The truck has no idea if you take that out and put something else in it. Every function the truck came with from the factory still works, as opposed to taking a truck that has an automatic and rendering three-quarters of all the cool stuff that you bought a new truck for useless. You know, I've had customers want to bring me their trucks that have, have, have had torque flight swaps and all this other stuff, and, you know, they will do it in their driveway or their buddy's shop or wherever, and they bring it to me and want me to iron it out, and the answer is no. <laughs> you You... I don't want to sound like an asshole, but basically you can't pay me enough to do that because the amount of time, I'm not a transmission shop. You know, the, the boys up at Firepunk have have uh, been over backwards trying to figure that stuff out. I have no idea how successful they are, but kudos to them. I suggest just starting with a truck that has a G56 to start with. That's really good advice. No, that's solid advice. Or, or pick something else to be a race car, you know, <laughs> anything else. Just, just not a not a 13 plus or the 68 because you're going to hate life. <laughs> Awesome, man. We don't want to take you away too much from uh, getting that car ready and, and, and stuff at Hardway Performance. So we appreciate you being on today, dropping some knowledge on us, offering some, some great advice, and we look forward to seeing that car run this year and, and what you're able to do with it and also it bring more people into the diesel drag racing performance scene. It's really the end goal, man. I mean, we go to we go to these races. The, the race I'm trying to make it to, Lights Out 8, is in 15 days. It was reported that this race last year had 70,000 people come through the gates over a weekend. You know, all those race cars that are there generally get there with diesel trucks. There's a whole lot of people that have no idea what we do. And, um, you know, I'm not going out there in front of all these people expecting to, to dominate. But if I make the field the next 275 or least spring class, whatever it is, because I'm sure they're going to have more than 32 entries per class because it's, you know, it's packed there. If I even make the field, I'll consider it a victory. You know, if I make it one round in eliminations, I will be ecstatic. If I get any anywhere near the end of the race, you know, in eliminations, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what happens. As, you know, I've already won to me. I just hope to go out there with this new car and try to represent us as a diesel community as absolute best I can and <laughs> try to not screw it up too bad. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, go kick some ass for all of us. Will do, buddy. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be on the show and... Uh, Hopefully I'll do some more cool or stupid or whatever you want to call it stuff in the future that'll bring me back on here. 